This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So a believer uses singing to glorify God, but what happens when we begin to mix the old music with the new life in Christ? It just kind of comes back, and we don't want to get rid of it completely. We want to hang on to that stuff. We want to hang on to those songs, those melodies, those riffs, etc. Well, in James chapter 3, verse 10, it says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so the context of James 3 is controlling your mouth. It's not necessarily about singing, but it kind of parallels it, in my opinion. Can secular music glorifying fornication, violence, disrespect, drugs and alcohol, rebellion against good, have anything to do with worship or praising God? No. In fact, I find myself tapping my feet to an old song, and I know that it doesn't glorify God, and I'm like, okay, man, stop singing this, because this is one of the ways a devil can creep back into our heads and lead us astray. And the evil spirits are not stupid. Rather, they are intelligent, and they know a lot about humanity and us individually. And if music is a place where the devil can trip us up, that's where he's going to go. Paul wrote a couple of letters to the church that had started in that ancient city of Corinth. And this was a jacked up church because it was a jacked up city. Very immoral city. It was a port city, a harbor that had a lot of debauchery happening in it. And the church started there. And a lot of Paul's two letters that we have to the Corinthian believers, First and Second Corinthians, it's rooted in correction. And he mentions idolatry as one of the things to be aware of and to avoid Now, in this day, there were idols worshipped everywhere, and trying to worship idols in the Lord at the same time doesn't work because they're opposed to one another. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Consider the people of Israel, are not those who eat the sacrifices participating in the altar? What do I imply then, that food offered to idols is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So Paul is basically saying, it's all about Jesus. You toss everything else that is worshipped. Now, I'm not saying that everybody worships music, but some do. I did. I totally worshipped bands and their music. I filled my head with their music, their message, their values. I kept spending money on their stuff. I loved it. And it was a part of my identity. I made it part of my identity. And that, to me, is worship. And I was guilty of it. And I knew it. And when I came to Jesus, he said, dump the evil music. And I reluctantly did. But I knew I was making the right decision because of the effect 
that that music had on my mind and spirit. And once my house was cleaned out, I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders that I didn't really even know existed. But I was doing exactly what the Corinthians were doing. I was worshiping God and worshiping things that were opposed to God, and he delivered me. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So the sacrifices were to offer our bodies, our lives as a living sacrifice. Now, in the ancient world, offering sacrifices was not limited to the Jews. There were sacrifices made by everybody to their own deities, whom the Bible refers to as demons. Jesus is our final sacrifice for sin. His blood was shed that we may be reconciled to God. There's no more sacrifice needed for sin. He is our sacrifice, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. So our sin sacrifice is completed in Jesus. He made the sacrifice because we couldn't. Now we must offer our lives as a sacrifice to him. And that means we surrender everything at his feet and expect nothing in return because we already have the ultimate blessing in his sacrifice. We have salvation. We already got it. So we live as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is our spiritual worship. You see, worship is not simply singing a song or saying a prayer. or It's not simply meditating. It's a life of surrender. And that's difficult. That's why it's called a sacrifice. So when I sacrifice those things that irritate God, it now pleases him that I'm caring more about his will than my will. Remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, your will. And when we do this, we become the beneficiary of God's blessing. And when I realize that I'm pleasing God, not because of what I can do for him in my own strength, because that doesn't work, rather pleasing him by simply trusting him and his spirit, now that connection is made, a connection that's real. Now the real worship happens. I sense his presence. I hear his voice. I'm filled with his love. This is worship. I just simply bask in his goodness. That's what worship's all about. It's about him. It's about laying on our face before him. And you don't get this when you're participating with darkness. You get it when you walk in the light. First John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So for the believer who feels convicted about listening to secular music, I say give it up. Give up everything that offends Jesus. Stand in him and don't give up. As in Hebrews chapter 3, 14, For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So we stay firm to the end. Our confidence is in Jesus. And Paul wrote to a young pastor named Timothy, wrote a couple letters to him, First and Second Timothy. Timothy had been a traveling companion with Paul, and he ended up pastoring. Paul wrote to Timothy in these letters to encourage him to fight the good fight, stand strong in Christ, and when people hassle you, Timothy, you just stay put. You stay in Christ. And listen to a few verses. 2 Timothy 1.13, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.1, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You notice how many times it says, in Christ Jesus. We are to live in Christ. We don't move. We abide in Him. 
So we as believers have a choice every day, follow Jesus or not. And we're no different than the unbelievers. We're sinners. We're saved by nothing but the sheer grace of God. We don't deserve it. We're no better than those outside the family of God, but we are blessed beyond any of them. Not because of all the cool stuff that we get in Christ, but ultimately because our names are written in the book of life and we will be with Jesus forever. And that's going to be awesome. And that's where the true worship is going to happen. And it's never going to stop. So practice worshiping him now because you better get used to it. That's what's going to be happening in heaven. And when you sense the presence of God, you sense his power, you sense all these things, you know what worship is. And then when you start listening to that old music, as good as some of it is, because there's some really good music out there that doesn't glorify God, but it's good music, talent, sound, musicianship, all that kind of stuff. When you're listening to that, you'll just get that sense that this is nothing compared to singing to Jesus. And that's really what music comes down to. It's a connection with something or someone, either the ideas or the experience of someone writing a song that you can connect with, or from a spiritual perspective, it is worshiping God. It's you tapping into that spiritual side of you and just saying, yeah, this is really cool. From the unbeliever's perspective, music also has that spiritual connection. And we're not to be connected with darkness. And unfortunately, a lot of the secular music is rooted in darkness. And there's some Christian music too that I listen to that I'm like, yeah, I don't like that stuff. There may be a darkness connection there too. I don't know. But what I do know is that God gave me the ability to sing And when I sing, and I sing to Him, and I praise Him, and I worship Him through song, then that ability to sing just comes alive. And I see the purpose of it. Your ability, desire to sing, is to sing to God. And if you continually sing to God, you will be blessed. Thank you.